0: Hey, everybody, Steve here, Local Level Podcast. I'm sitting here today with Michael MZ Zifra, uh, rocketbusinessaccelerator.com. Mike, it's a a real pleasure to have you on. Yeah,
1: well, I appreciate you inviting me on, Steve. I'm excited to be here. So by the way, um, if you call me Mike, I won't know who you're talking to. So uh, please, MZ, you know, my friends call me MZ. So I think the only only. Uh, person that uh, calls me Mike still is my mom.
0: (laughs) Isn't that strange though? Everybody's kind of got their uh, their circle of people that, you know, call them something special. Uh, It's, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I got introduced to you as MZ from Max, Uh, you know, shout out to Max uh, Barrick out there. And, um, you know, tell us the story about the MZ thing. Is it just kind of like a, a term of endearment type of thing, or how'd you come to that?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, if if I was a rapper, I'd be Rapper Z, but you know, I can't rap, so I'm just MZ. Uh, when I owned my uh, business in my prior life, uh, we would use telephones. There weren't any fax machines, computers, nothing. So everything was done by phone communication. And uh, at the time, I had five other Michaels working with me, right. so it was really confusing as to who you were talking to. So um, I went to MZ. Um, actually, several of the other mics went to their initials too. Hmm. But really, the MZ came about just because of uh, <laughs> simplifying and clarifying so uh, people knew uh, who they were asking for. Yeah. yeah. Well. So and you know it's really my brand now, and people like it. You know, it's, <laughs> they hear MZ, they remember it, and yeah, it's kind of you know endearing right now.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike is a Mike, Michael. My, my, my dad's name is Mike, actually. So uh, I'm familiar, but there's so many Mikes. Everybody knows a Mike. Uh, people confuse me for Mike sometimes. So um, I, I definitely know how you needed that differentiator. Um, but you touched on something. You have been in the business, uh, you know, the business world for, for years and years. If somebody goes on your website, um, Rocket, not like Rocket, but or actually, no, like rocket, not like rock it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, that business, was a
1: that was kind of a, a battle in in uh, naming the company. I wanted rocket with an i t yeah. because I want to rock it, <laughs> as opposed to rocket with a tra- trajectory. Right. Uh, it's really a tie in and a play off of my prior business and prior industry because I was in the entertainment world and I worked with a lot of rock bands and I felt that I wanted to carry that history over a little bit with the rock, but rock it, and then uh, put on the business accelerator because that's what I do is I help businesses accelerate uh, with my business and and knowledge.
0: Definitely. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, we're going to dig deep into it, but just as far as your background goes, you, you touched on, you know, being in uh, uh, events and things like that. If you, if you go on rocketbusinessaccelerator.com, you have a bio and you lay out a few things, you know, the white house uh, uh, contact um, for 40 years, you've been in the business space, you know, all these things. Can you unpack that a little bit? Tell us how you got to opening your business. Uh, tell us, you know, kind of uh, the, you know, lead up to everything where we are right now, if you can. Yeah. You know,
1: um, <laughs> We'll talk about my favorite subject. That's me. It's it's all good. That's what we're here for. Uh, Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big music fan, Steve. I really like music. And what drove me to start my first company at the age of 20 was actually music. And I thought I wanted to be a recording engineer, a sound engineer, and realizing that uh, I would have to do it on my own because I can't work for anybody. (laughs) Truth be told, I've never had a job. So I don't know how to interview. I don't have a resume. I've been a lifetime entrepreneur. So never really uh, owned its job. So uh, I realized that I wouldn't be able to start my own recording studio because of the capital outlay. So I, I took an investment of $1,000 and uh, actually started the business by being a DJ. That's mm. what I did back in 1979 when it was all, all the rave. And when I started the business, nobody was really doing it at the level that I started to do it. So back then, people would would find me through the Yellow Pages, if you remember those, Yellow Pages. And uh, I was the first one to actually capture the title in the Yellow Pages, Disc Jockey. Mm. So I started uh, being a DJ and uh, did that for a couple of years and saw an opportunity of, um, actually morphing into putting on, uh, outdoor live festivals. So again, um, nobody was doing them right. So now every town is doing, uh, you know, currently these, uh, live festivals, except for COVID, I guess we're not doing them, but I was the first one out there doing, um, live festivals. So it was kind of fun, uh, because people didn't understand what I wanted to do. So I would call up uh, different uh, municipalities, let's say, and uh, try to talk to them about my idea. And they would bite on it, seem interested. Then I'd go in and have a deeper conversation with them. And they said, you know, that's really a good idea. Mm-hmm. Let's try that. And that's how really the festival market uh, uh, was was born. Again, nobody was doing it mm-hmm. at the at the level that, that I was doing it. And um, eventually I, I got bored with, doing the uh, live festivals. So I iterated the company again and uh, took my service and started providing um, staging and lighting for business meetings. Mm. So I was really on the cutting edge of what are now um, all these business meetings that you see Fortune 500 companies doing. And when I sold the company in uh, January 2018, that's that's what I was doing doing and that's what I was really specializing in was uh, business meetings for Fortune 500 companies. So um, you can kind of see the timeline and how the business morphed over that 40-year uh, period. Uh, it was an interesting journey. I have a lot of fun stories that you and I can talk about off-air and some I really can't share <laughs> on air because uh, you can only imagine being in the entertainment world what some of those are. Yeah. But along that, that journey, um, I did work with the White House for several decades uh, so if you uh, look on TV and you see the president doing an event, I was the person that um, lit them and uh, provided all the platforms, all the platforms for uh, all the press to be on and coordinating that. I even met the presidents. I have some presents from hmm. different presidents. And, uh, you know, that was kind of unique to be known as uh, that guy. And to be in with the Secret Service and uh, have those types of relationships. So um, along with uh, working with uh, dignitaries and prime ministers, uh, some rock stars, some movie stars, um, even sports stars, I I was lucky enough to have the contract for the city of Chicago. So all those celebrations in the cities for all the um, sports teams that actually won championships, uh, if you saw the Last Dance, and they look and you uh, can see the Patrillo bandshell out there, um, and they and they shoot it at a distance. That's all my equipment that's uh, that's out there. Uh, yeah. Several movies I, I was in um, or, or helped: uh, Batman, Spider Man, uh, Transformers. So it was a it was an interesting journey and career for a while, uh, but yeah. I. I yeah. after 40 years of doing it Steve it really started to get um, I guess bored right I got tired
0: oh, of it well you got and... out, you got out on a, a perfect <laughs> timing uh, I mean uh, couldn't have done it better I mean getting out at in, at, in 2018 uh, we all know what happened uh, the next year so it sounds like you you got off uh, on the right stop um, but I mean 40 years of doing that I mean we, we like I said, if you go on uh, business uh, or rocket business accelerator, you'll see kind of the bio and it's just a little bit, but um, I mean, there's so much you, you, you just touched on so many different things and we don't even have enough time to go into them uh, specifically individually, but um, you know, I mean, you left out a lot there. And one of the things that I like to uh, talk about on this is kind of the learning experience, because you know, what you do now is uh, kind of the, the culmination of all of the lessons that you've learned I would assume over that 40-year period and you know you're kind of putting that in a way that you can you know impart that on other people that are going through struggles now um, to help them grow uh, I mean a career like that um it, it's I mean there's a lot so without going into the details or maybe going in the details but what were some of the biggest struggles that you had did you ever get to a point where your head got too big and you had to kind of take a seat for a little while? I would assume that there was some things that happened in your life, you know, when you're kind of dealing with those people rubbing elbows, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with the president and secret service and rock stars and all that can kind of go to your head. Did that ever play a part?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And, and a very, uh, very interesting question. You know, it never really went to my head. Um, I never wanted to be that guy who was uh, awestruck by being in the location. Um, I always felt that I belonged in the room. And I always wanted to make sure that I conducted myself in a way where people would be comfortable with me being in the room. So uh, I would I would say a, a real quick story. Um, the the only time I uh, I stepped out. And really became a fan was uh, when I met Michael Jordan after the second Bulls championship. Mm. Um, he was walking off the stage and he had his hat on, smoking his cigar and carrying the trophy. And I popped out from from behind where I was and he walked over and I gave him a high five and we're shaking hands and um, we're talking. We were talking for maybe seven eight minutes had a great conversation laughing just yucking it up Hmm. and um i get back to my office in schaumburg from being down in chicago and i walk into the office and people my staff are looking at me going what what are you doing mz what what was that i had no idea what they were talking about and then they (laughs) filled me in that of course when i was talking to michael jordan every news camera from around the world was filming me talking to Michael Jordan. And I had no idea. Other than that, I, you know, I I really just kind of played, played low key. And you know, the, the second part of your question, I do have 40 years of what not to do experience. I have a lot of that and a lot of lessons learned and a lot of humbling experience, um, From that. And really what I'm doing currently is a um, it's a model that is an operating system that I implement into different businesses. And when I'm implementing this uh, uh, process in the business, I pull out different life experiences to help um, business owners relate to what I'm trying to show them or, or to teach them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you have, you have uh, you touched on it a little bit, you know, I mean, as far as the system, the operating system, I mean, the problem that we have with, with a lot of these business type of, um, I don't know, incubators or gurus and kind of like the world that this, uh, this business, uh, environment is uh, based on is, you know, there's a lot of people that are given fake information. There's a lot of people that are given information because they feel like they have the answer or they, they can tell you how to do your business better. And um, unfortunately, uh, I think uh, most people <laughs> most people realize now that, that you know, a lot of these people are grifters, but you do something different. Um, you, you know, kind of just guide people into uh, understanding how they're doing their thing. Can you tell us a little bit about how your system differs from these other type of grifters and, you know, business gurus?
1: Yeah, that's, um, I love the way you put that. That's, that's well said. I, I think I may use that the next time I'm talking to a prospect <laughs> or maybe <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll bring you along, Steve, and, and just, you know, have, listen to what Steve is saying. I'll
0: talk Don't to you. I'm the color guy. I'm the color guy. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could be the color guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I came across this system as I was running my uh, other business because I tried several different um, methodologies t- to improve my operations. I worked with the uh, Jack Walsh a strategic system, graduated from that. I worked with uh, some people might be uh, know Michael Gerber and the E-Myth, which is. phenomenal in itself, but it didn't quite um, deliver everything that I needed for my business. Um, I went through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business course, and none of them really delivered in what I'm doing now. And what I'm doing now is called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or EOS. And it's based off the book Traction from Gino Wickman. Okay? And if any of our listeners are interested in um, learning more about EOS, you can go get the book, uh, Traction, and actually read about it. So the first year that I implemented EOS into my business, I grew the business 112%.
0: <laughs>
1: Profit, bottom line. So I found it to be very effective. And um, I'm not a consultant in the traditional sense. So I'm not going to come into a business, Steve, and tell somebody uh, what they're doing wrong, okay? That's not what I do. I actually work with the business comprehensively from top to bottom. So here's an example. A lot of entrepreneurs feel that, geez, if I could just grow my revenue. I want to grow my top line. If I can do that, it's going to solve all the problems I'm having. And in reality, all that's going to do is put more stress further down your business. And if you don't have the processes in place to support that increased revenue, you're going to find that your customers are coming to you and leaving out the back door just as quick because you're over-promising and under-delivery. Yeah. So, yeah, it's based on six key principles or uh, uh, six key components and Every business needs these six key components. Don't care what business you're in, okay? The six key components are vision. So we want to make sure that everybody is on the same page with where the organization is going. So if you have more than one person working in your business, let's say three, four, five, ten, 10, if you went around and asked those individuals, what is the vision of the company? I bet they would be in the ballpark, but they would be vastly different also, Hmm. okay? If you ask 10 people, you're probably going to get 10 different responses. So we have to make sure we get everybody on the same page, right? Then we need to make sure that we have the right people for the organization. Each organization defines the right people slightly different, Steve, so we want to make sure that the people that you have in your organization are aligned to be able to deliver that vision that we talked about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then there's another key component and that key component is data. It's all about measurements. Right. So I found that entrepreneurs were really good at running our business on gut feeling and ego and what we think is going on. Right. right. But in reality, the best decisions are gonna be made, not subjectively, but objectively by having the right measures. Yeah. So setting the organization up on uh, actual scorecards where you can now start predicting and tracking how you're doing over the long term. Yeah. Once I've identified those three key components with the leadership team, I find that the business becomes transparent, which means that issues and problems start to arise, and we need an effective way of being able to resolve those issues, okay? And we have a system that absolutely changes the business and the business owner's lives. Imagine being able to resolve issues the first time the right way and make them go away for ever. So have you ever been in a meeting, Steve, where um, an issue raised, right? And there's five or six people sitting around a table talking about an issue.
0: Yeah.
1: And you discuss the issue and everybody has their input. And then you look at the clock. It's like, oh, geez, it's, it's five o'clock. We, we have to go. Yeah. So everybody leaves. And then you have a meeting a week later you five or six thing. people sitting around the table. What are you what are you talking about? What are you discussing? The same thing. The same, the thing. same problem. Yep. Right. Yep. So I eliminate that and um, really help business owners gets to the root cause of what the real issues are. What we call issues or problems often are um, really just the tip of the iceberg of what the real root cause of the problem is. So um, I like to tell a story um, if I can. Is it OK if I if I tell the story? Sure. Yeah, I, I like to tell this story of the uh, Jefferson Memorial where the United States government was having problems with the stone crumbling in the mm-hmm. Jefferson Memorial. Well, they found that it was crumbling because of frequent washings of the stone. Right. Well, they did a little bit of, of research and found that it was being caused because of bird droppings. There was a lot of pigeons in there, right? And they were just messing up all over, so they were cleaning the stones. Well, they asked, well, why are there so many pigeons why are there so many birds in there well they came to find out that it's because there's abundant food supply there's a lot of little spiders there and why are all these little spiders there well come to find out there there's these little insects called midgets Hmm. that are present in the jefferson memorial well why are there so many of these little insects well you know what happens at night when you turn on lights Insects get excited, right? And they come and they find the lights and they make their way into the Jefferson Memorial. You've got all these spiders that are catching them. You've got all these birds that are eating the spiders and the birds are messing up the Jefferson Memorial. So the real root cause of the problem wasn't that we were washing the Jefferson Memorial too much. It was abundant food supply caused by turning on the lights, Mm -hmm. right? So they delayed turning on the lights one hour. By one hour, they reduced it, all the, uh, all, all the frequent washings by 90%. So getting to yeah. the root cause of what the real issue is, is what I help business owners do.
0: Well, you know, that is uh, one of the things. I mean, that, that, that's a, that story in itself says a lot because the majority of people are focused on what's happening in front of them right now. And, you know, you're swinging a hammer at those things. But, you know, the foundation of what you're 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 working with needs to be correct uh, for everything on top of it to, to make any sense. You know, I mean, if you're if absolutely you're, it's uh, it's very hard. I mean, in a business not to get emotional about the day to day activities, the numbers that are in front of you right now. But, you know, that's why you have to you know, have your staff kind of report to you and let you know you know uh this and that and this and that so you can make the decision so you know when you're not on the same page it makes sense to me where you know you can you can run a run afoul pretty quickly you know i mean you can get emotional with things people might not give you the information that uh you want to hear uh all those different things so i mean you're dealing with humans uh, when you when you have these conversations with you know business owners and, and management teams how do you overcome that kind of like, there's always a little bit of an ego too, you know, right. So how do you overcome that, that human component? So you can get to the foundation so you can start making those changes and fortify the foundation. So what they're building on will stand. You know, um, that's a, that's
1: a really good question, Steve. And, um, let me first say, um, I think it comes out of humility because over my 40 years of running my business, I have brilliantly solved the wrong problem too many <laughs> times. So um, it's, through, it's being able to check my biases and um, really listen to what the dynamics are of the room and the interaction And then I tried to lead by asking questions. So my role really is to try to facilitate uh, a conclusion uh, to uh, to whatever the issue or whatever we're discussing between the group of people in the room. And again, it's done by asking questions. I try not to tell people the solution because again, I could be off base. Right. Um, And, you know, we all have our own cognitive biases. We're all going to search for our own truth and our own truth is going to come to us from our own perspective. Right. So now if everybody is if there's a big beach ball. Right. And there's the three, four um, different colors on the beach ball. Steve, and you know, you're holding one end side of the beach ball, I'm holding another end, and you know, my end is white and your end is blue. Well, your perspective is going to be blue, mine's gonna be white. Mm-hmm. So we all have our cognitive biases of searching for the truth. So really working with the t- team to help them understand their differences. And, again, leading them with questions to come to the best conclusions. Sure. And let me, let me also add sure. that um, during these discussions, we come to some fierce agreements. There's, there's, some, um, there's some very interesting conversations that take place in these rooms. Yeah. Um, but it's, it needs to be that way if you're going to come to the best conclusions for the organization.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that it would get a little difficult sometimes. I mean, when you call people out and t- I mean, everybody has a role to play. So if, if maybe the, the, the player's not executing the way that they, they need to,
1: um, mm.
0: and you're pointing that out in a room of, you know, the people that are writing the check, uh, that could get a little stressful, uh, a little tense, I would imagine. How do you, uh, make, how do you, do you allow that to happen? Do you just let it go and whatever, do you try to mitigate that, uh, in these meetings?
1: Right. Um, so I, I typically bring some boxing gloves and a little bell and just thing <laughs> yeah. and, and let right. them go at it. Right. <laughs> um, no, you know, what is as long as the conversation is professional and does not degrade into personal, um, accusations, yeah. I, I let them go. Right. I, I let them go and um, I, I tried to um, I tried to, to mediate the conversations mm-hmm. to make sure that everybody is being heard. because if you're going to come to the best conclusions, um, you have to have a foundation of, of trust first of all, so you can honestly say what you're thinking yeah. and know that people are going to receive it. They don't have to agree with it but at least be heard. So um, then you can have the conversation and it can be real at the same time. Yeah. So um, I, I've been in meetings where uh, four or five individuals uh, really went at another individual who just wasn't performing correctly. Yeah. And their their role as a leadership team is to call that out and say, hey, MZ, you're dropping the ball, and you're killing us. Mm -hmm. You know what are we going to do here if you don't step it up? Then you know somebody else is going going to have to step it up for you. And those are the types of conversations that that do take place.
0: That um, you know, it's radical candor, Steve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, honesty is the best policy. Sometimes it's hard to hear it though, Uh, especially when you're when you're you know in it. When you're in it and you're working, and that's kind of what you're doing. It's really hard to hear it sometimes if you're, if you're not doing it right. Nobody likes to hear that they're, they're messing things up if they think they're doing it right or if they're giving it their all. Unfortunately, giving it your all doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it right or it's going in the right direction. And you kind of said that too. You've, you've uh, solved all the, the, you know, the wrong problems just, just perfectly.
1: Um, Yeah. You know, um, doing things that shouldn't be done efficiently is one of the worst things that you can do as a as a business owner. Yeah. You know, being effective and efficient is is really important. There's no sense to do something that shouldn't be done at all.
0: Right.
1: Right. I'm, and you know, with, with with team members most of the time, Steve, somebody who's not performing to the level of expectation they typically have a good idea, yeah. you know, and um, if they're if they're honest with themselves, they're going to own up to it and try to get better. Yeah. Um, it's when individuals uh, just don't want to face reality, then that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, sometimes sometimes you have to call a time out. Right. And there has to be a, a separate conversation that takes place. Uh, between whoever, uh, before you can, can continue the meeting t- to get things back on track.
0: You no, know, you know, for the listeners, we're 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 talking, and this applies to all businesses, but we're talking primarily the, the people that you're sitting in a boardroom with, really going over these issues with their businesses. Uh, you know, mid mid to large ty- type of businesses. So, can you lay out for us kind of the you know, the, the the customer, you know, I guess the client, uh, you know, the prospect or whoever, you know, who do you work with?
1: Right. So, um, Rocket Business Accelerator, uh, really is meant to work with businesses that, uh, have anywhere from five to 200 employees and typically generate a revenue of, um, Uh, 1 million to 20 million in revenue. And I tend to work with the leadership team. So three to seven people typically are in a room together when I'm working with clients. Mm -hmm. So unlike a consultant who tends to work with um, a different department, Um, Whether it be marketing or finance to help them figure out whatever's going on that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I tend to work with the whole leadership team regarding, again, their business comprehensively. And um, I just wanted to go through the uh, other two key components because we got to the fourth right. one. We did the vision. We did the people. We did the data. We did the issues. And the, and the fifth one is the process component, and that's systemizing everything in the business. Every business has um, six to ten core processes and being able to document those Uh, Human resources, how you hire, how you fire, how you maintain, reward people, your finances. Um, your operations, your marketing, your sales, and just get them documented at a high level. So I was working with a client recently and uh, one of the members of the team says, you know, we really are doing well on our processes, MZ. Our finance person was out and I actually had to call in payroll. I pulled out the document and I followed the procedure and we were able to get our payroll because of it. Mm -hmm. So that's the importance of having uh, your system's Processed, And not only that, it's the quickest way to scale a business, too, because then everywhere you go in the business, people are doing things the right way and the best way. Right.
0: Every single time. One person isn't doing it this way and another person's doing it this way. And, and, you know, to 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 jump in there, you know, one of the things that I find it, it is very important to kind of have guidelines for the way things should be done, best practices, not only because of the fact that we are dealing with humans, businesses are made out of humans and there are differences of opinion and people do quit and people leave their core people. Sometimes maybe there's a disagreement and maybe they have that knowledge in their head, how it operates and how that, you know, process is done. But if you don't have that written down and that person leaves, then you're stuck holding the back. Um, there's a lot of instances where I've dealt with people, um, specifically in, in my line of work, you know, with marketing and then also IT uh, even more specifically, um, where somebody will go that is the point of contact. And now the communication is like, it's t- totally chaotic. And and then yeah. the business really, really suffers because of that. So yeah. you, you really hit something that that is close to home for me because I deal with it all the time. Um, can you drill down a little bit about how you form that process, how you you get those best practices put together. You know, give people a little taste of, you know, what MZ does when he's in the boardroom.
1: Yeah, you know, and I really like like your example. Uh, Imagine an IT firm um, and you have an IT technician who comes in and works on your computer system who is not available when you need them and now somebody else comes in. And because the methodologies were different, between each technician the the new technician isn't going to know where None where things you, were left yeah. off or how right. things were done it just it, it's so confusing right. and it doesn't need to be so really what what we do is um, we start with the Pareto principle I don't know if you're familiar with that but that's simply yeah. the 2080 rule right we all know about the 2080 rule um, 20% of our clients actually provide 80% of our profit. If you think about your clothes Steve, you probably wear 20% of your clothes 80% of your 80% of the time. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, that's the an ex- couple examples of the 20-80 rule. So what we do is first we help the uh, business owner leadership team identify what are the six to 14 or maybe 18 core processes in the business. Again, the human resources, the finance, the operation, whatever those are. It's the first thing that we have to do. Then we have to look at the individual steps that it takes to perform that job. This is where the 2080 rule comes in because we're only going to document the 20% of the steps that will get us 80% of the information of being able to perform that job function mm. because if we try to document every step we're going to have a 700-page standard right. operating procedure manual and guess what nobody's going to read it right. and by the time by the time this client has to call in payroll <laughs> it's already going to be the end of the month so we we do this very simple on a three to five-page document for each of these processes. So everything I try to do is t- to simplify. Simplify everything in the business. It's like um, Steve Jobs, right? Um, we know about Steve Jobs, started Apple, but then he got removed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They, they fired him. He left, uh, he left Apple and uh, started another business. And what happened to Apple? It started to go down, right? Apple actually tanked. So they realized it and they asked Steve Jobs to come back. Mm-hmm. So Steve said, yeah, you know, come back. What is the first thing Steve Jobs did when he came back, Steve? Are you familiar with this? Are you, well, any I idea? Think,
0: I think he, he, uh, he, he fired a lot of people, didn't he? Or he killed off a lot of the products that they were developing, I think was exactly. the main thing. Exactly. Yeah he, he stopped, they had uh, something like 84 different
1: project products that they were providing. And within those 84 products, there was a variance for different businesses that need different services within those products. It was way too complex. So the first thing he did was simplify. So that's what I, one of the things that I encourage, um, my business, uh, um, clients and leadership teams to do is how do you root out complexity in your business? Because I can guarantee you complexity has rooted itself in your business because you're working in the business. You often don't see it. Right. Yeah. So everything I do is simplify. And that's one of the ways that I do it with um, helping them identify their processes and get them documented. Well, that that the itself, last yeah. the last thing I do with it is I have them roll it out and
0: make sure that it's followed by also everybody's doing it. So you follow up with them afterwards? Do you do a, uh, you know, kind of like a I don't know next quarter checkup or whatever, or is that extra? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I tend not to charge extra. Um, I enjoy talking business, so if my clients call me and need me. Um, I don't charge them extra. I only charge them for the t- time that works together in an actual scheduled session, Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so it's all about, for me, my process, Steve, is all about giving the tools and the knowledge to the leadership team in the business and helping them scale their business to be able to get what they want out of their business in a matter of months as opposed to years. So my typical engagement is anywhere from 24 months, I'm sorry, from 18 months to 24 months. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that time period, they typically don't need me anymore. Mm -hmm. A couple of my clients do stay on longer just because they like to work with me and they just don't wanna do this on their own. But my goal is eventually to put the client out there and they don't need me anymore unless it's a, a question they have for whatever they're just doing.
0: Now, I worked for a, a you know, a business uh, management consulting uh, company that is no longer in business, you know, which is kind of funny. Uh, and, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because a lot of these types of companies will tell you, you know, like like I was saying before, kind of. They, they will, will give you a book. They'll, they'll have somebody come in, bill you hours lot at a high level and uh, tell you all the different things that you're doing wrong and then give you a big, giant binder that tells you all the best practices of how to do all these different things. And then they, you know, go on to the next one. And 90 percent of the time, you know, you, you walk away with a giant bill and a binder that you don't understand. So how do you work that out. And I I imagine, you know, like what you just said, that you kind of are in these conversations with people, but do you, do you go through um, if you're looking at the top level, the owner of the company doesn't necessarily know what the person in the mailroom is doing. How do you get from the top of the company to the little guy that's on the floor? How do you, how do you navigate that and make sure that that kind of connection happens so the, the, the effort that you're putting in actually gets heard by the people that need to hear it.
1: Yeah, you know, I really appreciated your story and um, you know, the, the consultant's going to come in with a, uh, you know, with a binder, hand it to the business owner and say, you know, good luck or, you know, if you wanna to continue to, to pay me however many thousands of dollars an hour or whatever, right. um, you know, I, I'll stay and help you uh, implement this. Um, I actually have a process that's um, that's meant to um, remove me eventually. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the tools that I use to um, help cascade the, the reporting structure to make sure that everybody is getting the information that they need is called the accountability chart. Okay. People that are listening to us are going to recognize the organizational chart, but I call it the accountability chart because I drive accountability from top to bottom into the chart, okay? okay. So everybody understands what their role is, what their function is, and what they're responsible for its delivery. And I I believe that there's a unique way that um, as as an implementer of the EOS system that we use to build the accountability chart, um, I'll give it to you at a real high level, there's really three steps to it. The first step is to build the structure of the accountability chart, meaning the functions or the seats, right? The the jobs that people need to do, because as entrepreneurs, what we tend to do is look around at the different people we have available, and then we try to build the structure for the people that we have currently. Yeah, well, I encourage my teams to build the structure first. The second thing that we do is identify what are the roles within that function. So now we have the structure. And all the different functions, um, human resources, marketing and sales, operations, finance, whatever they are. Then I identify the different roles that need to be um, outcomes from each one of those functions. Mm -hmm. And guess what the last thing is I do, Steve? Then we start putting people in the roles or the functions. Okay. Most of the time, entrepreneurs, they do the people first
0: yeah right
1: because right? right. this is what we have to work with well at the end of the day on several occasions after i work with um my teams steve uh a year later 18 months later um, there's quite a few different people in the organization yeah, right, right. because i've helped them move the um the underperformers or the people that don't belong there the um the emotion, not the right people, it, it not was, the right seats. Yeah, out, yeah. and they have the right people in there.
0: Uh, yeah, and you know that's that plays into my experience too. I, I, you know, I've worked in a lot of different offices, a lot of different types of environments and structures. You know, some family businesses, some you know totally corporate where it's you don't even know the people. Um, all different things, and you know the bottom line is a lot of times when you're in a management scenario. Or an office scenario, people are um, are driven by the relationship with the person, and what will happen is if the um, the the work is not there, they'll make excuses because they liked the person and they have that emotional connection with the person, and they know that they just had a baby or they just did this. But you know, the bottom line is, unfortunately, in these businesses, especially when there's different levels. You know if you're if you're holding the bag for the people that are underperforming at the bottom, it it always it does trickle up you know as far as how how and it, and it it amplifies it every time that it goes up. you know so the middle manager now is the person holding the bag because they're underperforming and so on and so forth. And you know it's very hard to identify that because we are humans, and there is that loyalty component. so it does make sense to me. Um, And it is counterintuitive to me as well for a lot of different reasons to focus on the business first and get the practices in place first. Um, So you can kind of take the emotional component out of it a little bit so you can have. And I think it makes it easier for the emotional component if you have something to point to that says, well, if you aren't able to do this, then you're not performing. And it's not just an arbitrary decision that you're just not doing it right, you know. Um, because you know the, in the, you know it's it's so difficult because you're dealing with people and um, I, I hate to always you know nobody likes when somebody gets fired unless they're just evil or something but uh, right. you know it's 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 a sad thing you know when somebody that you like is not cut out for the job and you have to let them go uh, I think anybody that's been in business or has had a business has had this uh, happen and it's a very hurtful and it's it's upsetting thing for everybody. Um, so you know it makes a lot of sense, and that is a wise thing that you have. And I can see why a lot of people kind of need that um, that that outside influence to to explain that that's important to put in place. Uh, and I can see yeah, the value. in Yeah,
1: re, re, remember that um, what I do is is comprehensive for the whole business. So when these types of difficult decisions have to be made, Steve, there's structure in place to be able to support those decisions being made. Now, that doesn't alleviate the pain from having to have the conversation. Yeah. Yet, if it's done correctly, the person who is being released back to the workforce shouldn't be surprised that that conversation is being had. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a there's a process in place on how you're going to follow up and let people know who need to perform better, um, how to do that, and how they're doing along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the things that I wish I would do I could have done differently in uh, my old business, and I think um, any business owner entrepreneur who has employees will identify with this. Um, is I kept the wrong person too long, exactly because of what you were talking about, not wanting to have that conversation. And um, imagine having a system where you can um, have that structure in place to be able to help that person too, um, when you have to release them back to the uh, workforce, but also the business to be able to um, move faster to
0: identify when that change needs to happen. I, I'm not quite sure exactly who the quote is from, but uh, I've heard this. And I don't know how you what you what your thoughts on it, but it's um, you know fire fast and hire slow.
1: Do you agree with that? Yeah. A- absolutely, absolutely. And you know, again, it's it's more it's more difficult to do. Um, you know, a, a lot of times, um, you know, if, if we're busy, business is growing, um, somebody, somebody may be 50%, um, good at their job and you just need the warm body in there. you got to get, you know, fill that position. So you just take whoever hoping that, you know, they're, they're going to work out. Yeah. And, um, I actually have a tool that I, uh, it, uh, Implement and introduce to the leadership team to use as a filter to make sure that you have the right person in the right seat in every spot within your organization. Yeah.
0: Imagine right. that. That's very. Uh, if you can, if you can achieve that, then you're in, you're in a good good spot that's for sure that's uh yeah that's like a unicorn if you could figure that out um, but <laughs> it, it it does
1: work and i will tell you that um it's not a 100 percent effective but it's 80 percent effective and um 80 effective is is um a lot better than most businesses oh, and where they operate yeah. right now and being able t- to um get the right people that they
0: need definitely yeah, I and mean, we were, you know, I, I tell everybody when, when I do this uh, beforehand that, it, you know, an hour is never enough time, uh, you know, because uh, what you have going, uh, what you do is uh, a lot more complex than what we can cover in an hour. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, we just came up to that hour point. So I want to uh, let everybody know how to contact you. I want you to, uh, you know, maybe give a closing message to anybody listening. Uh, Maybe some free advice. Uh, You know, I know you've already given a little bit, but um, tell everybody first, what do you think? uh, What's the what's the most important thing or the, you know, one of the most important things that people can do right now with everything going on, with all the uncertainty and all that type of stuff? What is the most important part of somebody's business to really work on right now so they can, you know, get the other things worked out? Yeah, that's a really good question.
1: And I I think there's a uniqueness to that answer based on where different businesses currently are and uh, what their weakness is. Um, I would say that if, if I was in the business market running a business, um, I think I would do a deep dive and take an assessment of where we're at and where we would like to go. And uh, hopefully, I don't have to adjust my long-term goal. I can keep that in place, knowing that all I have to do is make some fine adjustments based on the information that we have currently, because that's all we have. We only know what's going on now. We don't know what's going to go on 24 months or 36 months or 60 months from now. Right. Right. So we can, we can set ourselves up for that long term and keep our eye on that ball and just make minor tweaks. Hopefully minor tweaks based on what our current reality is to keep us moving towards that long term. Yeah. That's what, that's what I would suggest.
0: Okay. Well, every, you know, every business is different, right? And I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of, you know, put you in the spot like that a little bit, but no, I mean, it's, it's uh, as far as broad advice goes, it makes sense to, to understand what your plans are and what your goals are and, you know, get a real reading uh, in a pulse of where you are realistically and not just, you know, how you feel like you were saying before, uh, take an assessment, you know, really look at who's around you, what the lay of the land looks like and maybe what it's going to look like a few steps ahead um, and, uh, you know, kind of use all the information that you have available to you. And like we were talking about before this interview, um, focus on the things you can change and not the things you can't change.
1: Always. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if, if you're looking at a, at a problem or an issue, um, Steve, you, you can't look at it in the same fashion that caused it. You have to look at it a, at a different, and you have to ask different questions if you're actually going to resolve it. You know but in business, issues and problems aren't ever going to go away. Yeah. It's really how effective and efficient you're going to become at um, handling them so you can handle the next one. Definitely. You know the, the other thing is um, urgency is really the enemy of, um, uh, of running a small business because we're always drawn to whatever the urgent problem is Mm -hmm. at, at the dire, um, effect of really getting derailed from what's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It happens too. Yeah. Too, too often.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it's easy to get caught up in the, you know, what, what's shiny right in front of you. And, uh, you know, making a, a emotional decision in, in something that, uh, you know, is probably not the thing that you need to base your decision on. Uh, so, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one of the things uh, that we've been working on, uh, MZ, is uh, something maybe a, a few of the listeners have already heard about. But if you haven't, you are now. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a round table. We're going to be doing roundtable discussions with people. Um, we are in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I'm in Rolling Meadows. You're, you know, in the Schaumburg area, and uh, you know we're 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 kind of putting together a group of small business people in this uh, in this area that uh, fall into uh, the category of like a mid to uh, you know mid-sized business uh, to you know maybe a smaller business too. Anybody that has um, you know some some thoughts on how to move forward in a post-pandemic world? Um, you know, and it's not going to be us talking at you and telling you, you know, what you should do. It's an opportunity to sit at a table with other people that are like-minded, that are going through some of the things regionally in the same uh, area of, of business, you know, your neighbors, to talk and communicate and to figure out ways that you can move forward as a community um, and, uh, you know, get get things moving forward uh, after all the, the heartache and upsetting and, uh, you know, the shutdowns and all the things that have been going on. Um, you know, that sense of community is so important. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I do this show, um, you know, to, to, to get people like UMZ on, and, you know, to share your information, because, you know, it's it's a it's a cliche thing. Your, your network is your net worth. You know, people say that type of thing. I, I say that to people all the time, kind of jokingly, but it's true. Um, you know, the people that, you know, the relationships that you have locally, um, people that you can you know call on the phone and ask for advice um, you know or support or do business with or you know have you know a friendship with. So important. So we're going to be doing something. Um, as it stands right now, if you go to leadersession.com, um, you can see uh, an outline of kind of the event that we're going to be doing on March 2nd. Uh, I believe the the time that we're going to be doing it is going to be 8:30 a.m to 10. So before you really get in gear, uh, you know, at work, you know, kind of grab a coffee and you can sit in. It'll be a, a virtual thing. So it'll be a Zoom roundtable with uh, probably, I don't know, five to eight, uh, you know, people air in the area, maybe more, maybe less. Uh, but we're going to get a group of good people uh, together. It's the first event of hopefully, you know, several that we'll do. And uh, MC, do you have any thoughts on what I just said?
1: Well, yeah, I think you framed it really well, Steve, and I'm really excited about it. Um, really, what we're trying to do is um, help people be the best that they can be. Um, the goal being here, the more successful the individual is with their business, hopefully the more that they're going to be able to go out and do in society to help things be better for other people. That's really the, the goal of this. So we're not selling anything. We're not looking for anything. We just want to get a group of individuals t- together together. That want to share, want to work through some issues,
0: want to help. It's
1: all about helping. Right, right.
0: Yeah. I mean, a community. Uh, We need more community. Uh, People have been so separated uh, as of late, you know, for a lot of different reasons, Um, you know, but, you know, with the the pandemic and all that, um, even though we're doing this virtually, it's something that's important to to get these like minded people together for, you know, uh, hopefully come up with some solutions and, you know, maybe just make people think. A little bit about uh what we're going to be doing moving forward so again that's leadersession.com um, you can find you know the links to everything uh, and you know rsvp there for the event if you have any questions you can obviously message me um, and uh, if you want to reach out to mz if you are a business and you uh, feel like you you want to uh get in that eo system and you know get that get that flowing through your workflow um go to rocketbusinessaccelerator.com to learn more about mz and uh you know for the show here local to see some of the other interviews with some you know great people that we've had on and uh mz it's always a pleasure talking to you i really appreciate your time and um you know there's another one in the books appreciate you thank you steve absolutely